Hello and welcome to Super Rugby Round 10 Review Podcast. I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, a pod- website, podcast, Twitter account and YouTube channel bringing you the best in rugby predictions and opinion. But this week, to be honest with you, I'm perhaps as unprepared as I've ever been. But that's okay, because I have the man who has watched every single game live uh, with me. Uh, it's the one. It's the only. Steve, how are you doing, sir? I'm very, very good. A lot pressured now after hearing that one. Um, but yes, amazingly, I did watch them all, which is um, not always a good thing, but we'll see how we go. Absolutely. It's always a fantastic thing, surely. Um, but um, obviously, get on at Cornflakes Crib on Twitter because uh, then you will get uh, updates during the games of his opinions and stuff. Or you can wait until Mondays and, uh, and get it all here instead. That's the the better way. Now, anyway, don't forget to subscribe, favorite podcasting app, all of that lovely, jubbly stuff. Five-star reviews, please. um, There are other stars available, apparently. But why would you want to do that? And we have had a five-star review. I should probably go and find it, shouldn't I? Um, Well, an email with it all in and all of that kind of stuff, if I can find it. Uh, Here we go. Yes, it was from, uh, where is his name? I'm blank. Uh, From Pork Chop. Um, Pork Chop Quinny from Australia. Thank you, mate. he says, great podcast, listen to every episode, I love it. And uh, yes, I, why wouldn't you listen to every episode as well and also love it? Because it is great. We are fantastic, aren't we, Steve? Oh, just tremendous. Only the best. Exactly. Just say yes. Um, hey, Christian, in the in the live chat, great to see you. Um, and of course, if you want to see what happens behind the covers for those of you listening on the podcast, this is live at 8pm every Monday night on YouTube. So, and we kicked off and we watched this one, well, we did the, the post-match um, review together. Um, the Blues versus the Highlanders. Blues won, uh, sorry, Highlanders won this one, um, 16-34. The Blues losing streak against New Zealand teams continues, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, the Blues are not going to win much this season, are they, really? Um, I mean, they come to this game, many people might have thought the Highlanders could have a bit underestimated them, especially leaving out a player like Aaron Smith and the calibre that he brings to the team. But, um, Overall, I guess the Highlanders are really showing a nice little development of, of players in there. Shannon Frizzell is the man. He was the name of this um, this whole match, too, for the Highlanders. So he was really good. But what I found interesting about this game um, was the stats, which you're probably going to mention quite a bit, so I won't go on too much. But um, the position, the territory, and the tackles, are just, just phenomenal that the Blues dominated so much of this game, um, yet come away pretty, pretty much empty-handed and not really in this match at all. Yeah, and the Blues we got 70% possession, 72% territory uh, across the whole game. And basically that was because in the first half, of particularly, the Highlanders didn't want the ball, did they? They just kicked it back to the Blues. Whenever the whenever they got it, they just basically just kicked it back to the Blues and just let the Blues mess it up. <laughs> yeah, well, the, that's the thing with the Highlanders as well. They can get a lead. They had a decent little start. And when you score a try in the first minute, I guess it gives you that comfort to be able to do that as well. Um, and then another one in the fifth. So they, they're a team that uh, would like to play with the lead, and then they'll put the ball into the other team's court and say, you want to you pass this? You want to take the lead? Do it. You know, do it Do it against us. So they'll back their defence. They back themselves to stop the other side from doing it. So they got that advantage nice and early, which they don't always get. And against the Blues, you know, probably was a bit easier than they would have uh, expected. Yeah, that charge down for the first try. Uh, and, and then, as you say, they score with pressure. Uh, just to give you an idea as to how little the Blues had to do defensively in this game, 42 tackles is how as many uh, mi- um well sorry may tried to make 57 and he made 42 so a 74 percent tackle ratio uh, um, return whereas which meant they um uh that they yeah missed 15 tackles now the highlanders missed 31 tackles but and this is the big but they had to make 230 tackles in this game um it's phenomenal it's a crazy number um and obviously, yeah, they made 199 of those, 87% tackling ratio, so um, 13% better than the Blues, and that really told uh, in, in this game. I say the Highlanders weren't actually. Yes, they got the easy win, but some of their kicking was a bit too short. They they generally liked to have a contestable kick, and a bit quite a few of their kicks in that first half weren't that contestable. I think you could probably tell that um, Aaron Smith wasn't there, um, and when he did come on in that second half. The first thing that happened was they scored a try. 
Yeah, that's what he adds to the team, isn't it? That it's just that that experience and and that game plan that he just runs off so easily and just does it so nicely. With the beat. That's why he's the class. That's why he's the best in the world. And then I'm a nine jumper, and people are going to hate me for saying that, but I've said it all along, and and easily is. But I was just looking at the tackle numbers here. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Dylan Hunt, 25 tackles. Um, uh, what else you got? Ty Warden in midfield got 16, 15 for Ash Dixon, 15 for Homopo, uh, 14 for Frizzell. Crazy numbers, just crazy. And none of the Blues actually got over 10. None of them got over seven. Mental. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, the, one, the one that I loved was that, that all of the starting uh, forwards for the uh, Highlanders made more tackles than any of the Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and that that sums up the game, doesn't it? Of how how the Highlanders played it, and uh, just forced forced the Blues' hand in, into into what the game how how they wanted to play. Absolutely, and a couple of things I think we should probably uh, on the player stats that, that jump out from this. People have been crying out for Rico wanting to get back on the wing. Um, he does this game, eighteen runs for one hundred and ten meters, and he's the 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 biggest best the, the long or the most carried most uh, distance carried by any player in this game. Uh, and so, yes, it's good to see him back there. That is where he is the most dangerous um, at the moment. But also uh, his brother, Akiriwani, someone that the Highlanders had a, uh, clearly had a, had a, uh, a plan to, to counter and to contain, and they did a fantastic job. 21 carries for 37 metres. Uh, that's just... That it's, it, to be fair to him, he this this season we have seen him try uh, become much more, a much better work ethic this season than he's had before. He had a go this today, or oh, sorry on Friday, but the yeah the Highlanders, I say they had a plan and they and they cut him down. Yeah, and he's probably been the the big shining light too in in this Blues team. There's not much else really of any positive note to come out of the the Blues so far. But um yeah they 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 pretty much cut down anything the Blues really offered. You see, there's not many running meters. Um, throughout the whole team, apart from Peter Fitter got a little bit as well. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, a team like the and Blues, you can Duffy, kind of... Duffy had a good game when he came on as well, to be fair. Oh, off the bench, yeah, I'm just looking at starters, but yeah. But yeah, the Blues are a team you can kind of nail down, aren't they? Uh, key guys that are going to make a difference, especially if they're, they're quite young um, midfield and the wing, Highland, Ledger, Fayani, guys like that, you can kind of contain them a bit easier than you can uh, Rico Ioani. Absolutely. Uh... Uh, another guy who I think was particularly disappointing in this game, um, one of the people who you want to be a leader in that in, in that Blues pack, he is an all-black, um, Patrick Tupolotu, uh, made three tackles, missed four. And that oh. is just... I, for someone who is supposed to be one of your leaders in that in that pack, there's been talk of him being uh, of sort of, 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 of captaining the side at times, and that's just not good enough. No, it's not what we expect from a leading player at all. But a question has been asked about him for quite some time, um, Super Rugby level. And oh, are we ever going to see him in another black jersey again? I would really doubt seeing that again. But, um, yeah, you'd expect better from guys, especially that have been capped at a higher level. Yep, exactly. Uh, any other comments about this one? Or, should we, or do you think it's time to put put it to bed and uh, let, let me mourn the loss of <laughs> another game? Uh, no, I'll, I'll let you be. But, I mean, this, this was uh, just... A typical, almost, I don't know if I call it fully typical Highlanders display, but it's a very controlled Highlanders display. And I think they're very good um, with the being able to rest Aaron Smith as well and get Kane Hemmington some good time out there, which he showed he's, he's getting up to this level now to be able to perform. But this is, I reckon, a, a good Highlanders side that is marching on quite nicely. Uh, that back line is just looking so good at the moment for the, for the Highlanders. So off to South Africa. Um, it's going to be interesting how they go. Uh, they are looking good, and a difference that we've seen from the management this season that we saw in their winning season was, in their winning season, they would they would happily rest. They they, oh, they had two weeks of obligatory uh, All Blacks uh, having rests, uh, and they rested all their All Blacks for two weeks, basically throwing away two games. This time, we've seen them put Aaron Smith on the bench and do a bit more of a rotation uh, to keep their players fresh, uh, and that's good to see uh, from the Highlanders. Is, uh, is, is trusting their yeah. Make sure Patrick Hamilton's got Liam Liam Sopoanga outside him uh, to, mm. to to help him with that kind of stuff, rather than resting Aaron Smith, Ben Smith, Naholo, and Sopoanga all in the same game. Uh, which, yeah, th- I think that's a much better approach from the Highlanders this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do figure with that. So then we went on to that to a what I thought was a very surprising uh, game: uh, the Waratahs versus the Lions. The Lions. 
have had a few poor games this season. I mean, they lost to the Blues at home. Uh, they only beat the Sunwolves by two at home. Uh, and then they made history against the Waratahs. This is the first time the Waratahs have ever been held to zero points. And it's the first time the Lions have ever held a team to zero points as well. But it, it started off a brilliant weekend of Australian rugby, didn't it? Everyone on this side of Tasman will be sitting there and going, oh, you know, this is a great weekend for Australia. Um, they, were, they were terrible, weren't they, the Waratahs? I mean, we've seen seasons of them where they've been so bad. And I think there's a little bit of hope, you know, seeing that they're actually getting all right. Um, they're doing all right, well, doing pretty well against Australian teams, but they come up against the Lions, didn't they? And they just completely just lost everything about them. Um, I think this is a good weekend for South African hookers, as we'll probably talk about uh, a bit more later on as well. But Malcolm Marks, uh, phenomenal performance from him. He really took that game by the scruff of the neck. Uh, but I think it's, it's hard to say that the, the Waratahs, Unlucky in patches, but I think they're unlucky in what they can control and what they couldn't control as well. We've seen that Quagga Smith try being actually lost the ball. Conversion was already over. Too bad. Can't do anything about it. But so much that they could have changed and, and could have done better in that in that match that they really didn't do whatsoever as well. So, yeah, when the, when the game's only 7-0 at halftime, you got to say you're definitely still in it. Um, but to be dominated that that sort of way and tactically as well, uh, Noah Avoro, what were they thinking about him? Uh, just completely not using them the right sort of way. So, yeah, big question marks about the Waratahs, uh, even more so. And it only takes one week, doesn't it, where they go from, hey, this, this Waratahs team's not so bad, and now we're all going, oh, Daryl Gibson, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah, def as you say, there are some serious coaching questions to be had here. You've got Naravoro, who has been on a three or four game uh, stunning set of form, scoring tries for fun, uh, racking up 100-meter um, uh, games the last two games uh, playing out wide. And everyone's been saying over these last couple of games, oh, look, he breaks the game line. We need to get him in the game more. Let's play him more central. Mm -hmm. And Darren Gibson, apart, uh, unfortunately, hasn't stuck to his guns and kept Narivora out wide. And he's listened to all those people and gone, that's a good idea. I'll bring him inside. And he did nothing <laughs> because he kept running into players uh, and he got tackled. Um, and yes, he is a big guy. Yes, he'll bump one player off. But if there's two or three players there, they'll take him down. They're also big guys. They're, um, okay, they're not as big, but if he's running into forwards, uh, he doesn't have the size. He's not, he's, a, he's not at pace. B, he doesn't have the size differential, and it just doesn't work yet. They needed to find, get him space and get, get the ball to him out, out wide. And that's the thing. When he's got the space out wide, he can use his other abilities, which is his speed. Um, which he can, you know, get around players as well as through players. He can, you know, make a half tackle out of out of what would be a one-on-one -on -one situation, which is easier for him to break through. When he's just in the middle there, he's just swamped. And even if he, he somehow slithers away from one, he's, he's got nowhere to go. Um, and he was often just throwing the ball, saying, you're the guy that does something, do it. Um, and it's, it's just an impossible task for him. So kind of kind of feel sorry for him in a way because he did get thrown completely off the ramp, um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go next um, if they try and persevere with that. I noticed that Gibson talked a lot about Falau coming back. Like, I mean, if you're not sick of Israel Falau already, then, you know, you're going to be <laughs> getting more of him. But, you know, that, he's a bit of a mug, that guy now. I'm not, not too impressed with what he's been up to. But, you know, it, it's like uh, deterring one problem um, with something completely different and say, you know, that, like that's going to be a solution. Um, so where they go, that's going to be interesting. It is. Uh, it, that's, uh, uh, should we have a bit of fun at the flowers expense? I'll go on, that's why not. Um, so wonderful. Uh, so Hugh, who joined me uh, for the post-match reaction to this game from uh, Green and Gold Rugby, uh, lovely tweet out, um, which shows a Curtly Beale stood by a Land Rover and suddenly Curtly Beale has managed to join the Land Rover family. I wonder... Where how suddenly there was the budget to afford Curtly Beale. Uh, yes, Izzy is not driving around in such a nice big car anymore. Um, and uh, also the other one, uh, I mean, for those of us, I mean, let, let, let's, let, let's remember here, Izzy Flower is not going about to go hungry. Um, he's just been offered, <laughs> apparently, a £750,000 uh, contract by um, the Cell Sharks uh, in the Viva Premiership, uh, has, is, is the rumour. So it's going to be right. It's going to be so. Yeah, we'll we'll see if uh, if he's going to take that up or not, or how much that is just uh, 
agents having a bit of fun or whether, whether there's any, any truth in that one. Imagine that. Imagine what happened. Imagine Australian rugby when that happens because he is their go-to bailout. When it all turns to custard, it's just all on him, isn't it? That he is their ultimate bailout guy. If he goes, oh, oh what are you going to have then? Reese Hodge bailing you out? Goodness me. <laughs> well, he's well. if he doesn't go to uh, the European Premiership, he's going to go to NRL anyway, uh, is, is the... Um, uh, is, is is the other one, but yes, mm. we'll 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 see. Uh, I, I'm not expecting Falau to stick around. Uh, I don't think he'll get offered a new contract um, at the end of this. He's just too much of a liability, and the, the sponsors just don't like him. It's a thing. You, you're in that position, aren't you? Where you've got to you've got to be smarter um, than you are. You know, in, in what you think. You know, it's all well and good. He's allowed to think and have his opinion on what he wants, but he's got to be clever about how he portrays it and how he gives it out to to public like that because. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a sensitive world these days. Yep, it is. And uh, that's what Curtis Rona tweeted out support for him. And Curtis Rona goes to the same church as well. So um, <laughs> whilst I've not asked Curtis Rona on Twitter to, to what, what his opinion is on these sort of things, uh, I could have a pretty good guess, I think. Uh, and I don't think I'd be a, a million miles wrong. But yeah, as you say, he keeps his mouth shut. Um, and therefore, he still yeah. is likely to have a, a contract and still be playing. Uh, anyway, um, after that divergence, a congratulations to the Lions. Tanilla team um, is 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 good. Um, I was looking through the stats trying to say, okay, so where's the big stat that shows you why the Lions won this one? Um, as you say, they managed to get to halftime 0-7 up, and then basically they just dominated that second half. The Waratahs spent twenty percent uh, only got, only spent twenty percent of the time out of their own half in that second half. Uh, yeah, territory was just totally dominated by the Lions there, uh, and that's and that's where they won it. A lot of the other stats aren't that dissimilar. Um, sure, the Tars had to make a couple more tackles, but nothing, um, no, no, nothing special. Uh, the the Tars lineout didn't quite uh, misfire at times, and they gave up a couple more penalties, but nothing that would suggest a a, a nilling. Um, this was, I say, yeah, territory in that second half, and uh, uh, yeah, the, the stat that really summed this game up is not twenty nine. Yeah, the, the big donut, isn't it? That's the big thing. But uh, when I was looking through the stats, I thought the same. Yeah, the territory, second half territory, that's just domination, isn't it? That's just control of the match. Um, and that, that's just the Lions, you know, the pack especially, having having a, a good time and controlling the game. So I, I was really impressed with what they offered, um, looking a lot better. Uh, a lot of question marks about them over the season. Are they that same team? You know, same thing, Coach Garn with them as well. But, you know, it's the Lions. There's quality there. Uh, and come the end of the season, you know they're going to be there or thereabouts. And I do have to comment on uh, Brett's comment in the um, in the chat there. Maybe too sensitive, the world these days. Couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, maybe so. Um, also, another point I, that was spotted during that game around coaching uh, is the Tars had a 6-2 bench, and then Foley went off with a, uh, with a HIA. Suddenly, they're having to um, shuffle their entire back line around uh, until he comes back and it gets all messy. Yeah, that's a, a, a number of things wrong, went wrong uh, in, in, in the coaching department in that game. <laughs> I mean, that's Daryl Gibson, isn't it? I, I, I've not been too sold on what he offers uh, any of the teams. Uh, Dixon, assistant coach, you have to say, is a pretty good record there, but, you know, he's, he's a bit at sea with what he offers. And like you, you spoke about it earlier, about, you know, people saying, oh, you know, this this is with Navarro. Oh, get him the ball more, get him this and that. He's a coach, uh, not everyone watching in that. He's got to stand up a bit for himself. And, you know, just because someone says, you know, we should get Flau more high ball, that's what he does, put Flau on the wing. That's what he does. Uh, he's very much a, a sheep coach, isn't he, with, with what people say? Yep, no, agreed. Uh, and so we moved on from that to Saturday where we had the um, Crusaders versus the Sunwolves. This one didn't quite go to plan, did it? <laughs> um, I mean, we, the, obviously the, the Crusaders um, kicked off well. Uh, got themselves 14-0 up after eight minutes. Um, Delaney hit a, a lovely uh, lovely gap and passed out wide to Crotty. Uh, then we had um, a line-out mall. Uh, and, yeah, say so 14 points in eight minutes. We're like, okay, can the can, can, can they score at more than a point a minute for the whole game? <sighs> Big answer, no. Um, the the, the Sobbles did really well to... And they got some... Little got in the corner to pull back some points. And then they kept it to, um, it was 14-5 at half time. Right? Over half an hour of play where the, where the Crusaders didn't score against the Sunwolves. Yeah, and the Sunwolves went on an 11-point run when they were down by 14. So they 
definitely showed a lot of what the Sunwolves team can do. Um, there's a lot of positive, I think, though, for, for the Crusaders who have yeah, pretty big injury concerns coming back. I thought their scrum, especially with the return um, of Franks coming back, massive difference when he was on the field, um, definitely changed the game completely in that aspect. But to say that the Crusaders needed that is really saying something about how the Sunwolves played. But I think a, a big leveler in this match was the weather because it was pretty much domination was at the start. Then the heavens opened up and it changed the game, which surprised me because I wouldn't have considered the Sunwolves a team that would have liked to play in that kind of weather because they are a team that plays you know, in Japan, in Africa, um, in Australia even. They don't play here too often in New Zealand where the weather can do this to this sort of drastic uh, measure. They're normally used to the hard ground, bit of sun, you know, nice evenings, hot temperatures, you know, on the beach. But um, not here. Not here. They got done with some bad weather and they adjusted remarkably well although both sides handled extremely well um given the the conditions and so i i think impressive from my point of view from what the sun was offered and like i said in the post-match thing new zealanders don't see the sun that often they have this uh what, what what people think about them is that they aren't worthy to be in the competition plain and simply that's what a lot of people think about them this i do hope if people watch this game and they see that you know, Sunwolves aren't that bad, considering they've got 14 hospitals full of players um, and they can still, you know, come and put out a decent display. I thought it was quite impressive. Seven different nationalities in their starting team and they can still come along and play with that continuity, combat the weather, adjust, adapt, and they played a really good job. No, we should talk about the weather, shouldn't we? So, yeah, on 60 minutes, the rain came down and very quickly turned to hail. That looked pretty nasty uh, and cold. Uh, <laughs> and we had lightning going off and i must admit, i thought there's a good chance this game's going to get postponed going to get some yeah put on hold while the lightning goes away but they kept on playing and luckily it didn't get too close uh and yeah it stopped after about four, five or six minutes but for that for those five six minutes and you say both teams instantly changed their game plan uh, suddenly they went from handling games to to kicking game uh, in the space of about 10 seconds uh, yeah some really good game management from both sides uh, in this one and that's what it's all like Delaney's been around uh, and seen this a few times. Uh, but as you say, I'm not sure the um, some of the Japanese players will have uh, will have had to put up with some of this. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, it was was impressive and good play by both teams. Um, the yeah, the the Sunwolves got pulled this back to 14-11 after 50 minutes. Um, but then yeah, the the uh, Dag came off, Franks came off. Um, players who are coming back from injury, probably getting tired by that stage. The bench came on and we saw the depth of the Crusaders versus the Sunwolves and the Crusaders just, uh, just pulled away um, uh, in the end. Um, you're talking about how many players have been used. Yeah, 43 players have been used by the Sunwolves and I think they've finally settled down on their best 15. Uh, so we've seen some certain players, I mean, Brits, for example, who we thought was probably in their best 15, hasn't played in the last two or three games and was playing for Japan A. Uh, in, in a game in, in Singapore, in, not in Singapore, in, in Auckland. Um, I think it was uh, uh, the day before this this one. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it um, yeah, it's Jamie Joseph, isn't it? Come, mm -hmm. yeah, has has has, has settled yeah. down. At, you've got to remember, this is his first season coaching this side. So it, so yeah, so he is he is still learning the ropes or getting used to Japan uh, to to a certain degree. Um. So yeah, that's any. Uh, that's, we've not actually talked about stats, but yeah, twice as many running meters by by the Crusaders just shows that they executed um, uh, better than the Sunwolves, which you're going to expect. Um, but the Sunwolves did manage 11 cream breaks, the same number as as the uh, um, uh, as as the Crusaders players. You've mentioned um, obviously Franks um, had a good game. Attacking wise, you're not going to expect too much because of the weather, but Matalele. 85 meters and George Bridge with 70 meters. Those two um, shone uh, with, with, with ball in hand in this game. Yeah, I think the other thing that the Crusaders can put down to this result was just uh, their professionalism and the way they go about the game. They're always a team that's the strongest in that last quarter as well. And, and they showed that time and time again as well, and especially tonight. But I think uh, I, I'd still have to go back and credit the Sunnels because the way they played and tactically changing the defensive pattern as well around later on in the, in the first half of 
definitely speeding up the defense and shutting down the space that the, the Crusaders had as the weather started to change, definitely did uh, change that match, uh, to change how the, the Crusaders attacked and shut down this space they had, which was massive for them. Um, second rows for the Sunnels, massive. James Moore, uh, pretty sure Australian, had a huge game. Uh, a big man who who really led the team in the four pack from the front. Uh, alongside him, the South African Grant Hadding was amazing as well. But I think they got a, a good little mix of uh, forwards in that team, which is generally where uh, Japanese sides struggle with. So I was impressed with that. I uh, love Sajna as well, another one who was amazing. So different, different ability in there. And, and like you say, so many guys out as well that could change the match. But yeah, a lot of positive, I think, for the Sunnels. And, and obviously, we should mention Little as well. They got the try, but also got through 13 tackles and didn't miss any uh, in, that sec- in, uh, in, in that midfield. Uh, yeah, a, a rock that they can build they, they can build around. Mm-hmm. So we follow, followed that one up with the um, Reds versus the Chiefs. And the, the Reds were never in this one, were they? And this was just a... Uh, I mean, 0-24 at halftime. The, the Chiefs has already scored 31 points before the Reds even got on the scoreboard. It was a bit one-way traffic. Just continued on an amazing weekend of Australian rugby, didn't it? They just, <laughs> they're not in this match at all. Uh, couldn't do anything right. Uh, Chiefs were just all over them like naughty rag. Just nothing going their way at all. Uh, we, we talk about the Reds a lot, about the direction of, of their back play. Uh, it's more of that from them. Um, but it's just yeah, discipline, handling, all those sorts of things. is, is just what they, just the basics that they really don't do not do very well. 13 knock-on turnovers, things like that. Chiefs got 11 clean breaks of just four. You can't really win too many games, especially when those last those four would have come in the last few minutes as well, and they got those couple of tries. Um, but what I found a really interesting thing about this game, which I thought you might have a comment on as well, is, is the Caleb Timu try uh, that was turned over when the referee saw it on the big screen. How often do you see the home team get a try like that turned over? Um, by watching not only see away team, I thought that was quite amazing that they showed that replay. I bet you it was unintentional as well because he placed it against a post and lost it as he was putting it down, and they were lining up the conversion and it got completely wiped. I've never seen the home team get pinged like that before, so I thought that was quite remarkable um, overall. But it was just a, a bad night for the Reds. Major fail by Fox Sports who had handling <laughs> yeah. the replays. Um, you've got to say, geez. Um, yeah, just just some of these some of the stats. It, this game was all over in the first half. Uh, territory, thirty eight percent for the Reds, sixty two percent for the for the Chiefs. As you say, four clean breaks to eleven. Um, one hundred and seventeen runs to one hundred and twelve runs, so fairly even. But three hundred twenty seven meters to five hundred and eighteen, which just shows you the, the how how much better they were um, at that. And I, one I didn't actually miss, and I was making notes, but uh, twenty two turnovers conceded by the Reds compared to fourteen by the by the Chiefs. Australian sides, especially the Chiefs and the Highlanders, thrive off turnover ball. Mm. <laughs> if you're going to turn it over 22 times, yeah, um, some 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 real problems. Hey, two players that did okay, uh, as you say, um, Karevi got those two tries late on, 13 runs, 62 metres, um, and twos from fullback also got, uh, got through a chunk of work at 14 um, runs as well. Um, one player who didn't have a great game uh, was um, Fauli uh, eight uh, tackle eight, eight, made eight tackles, missed five, which I thought I'd call that one out. Um, perhaps a tad harsh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's not the best tackling from him. Yeah, I saw that you, you marked that one down as a point to mention, but I, I found the way he actually played, he was very much that charging run out of the defensive line to smash people, and he did that. You saw that massive shot that he made on uh, who was I think it was the Reds. Uh, number eight, or might have been team as well, one of the big guys anyway, um, just absolutely pulverized them. When you go off that sort of attacking defense, I guess there is quite often the chance that you do slip off people that are, you know, poison stepping off the off the spot they catch the ball on. Um, but you kind of got the comfort to be able to do that, don't you? Uh, he is a player that is very inexperienced, but a bit eccentric as well, I guess you could say it, the way he plays. He can do the amazing, but he can be a bit behind the ball as well at the same time. So, yeah. A bit expected from him, but um, he did guide around the back line all right with that team. Uh, the Chiefs goes, Chiefs were awesome. Retallick was great. Yep, Retallick's having a fantastic season. Uh, and also the Canadian guy, I've gone blank. Um, Ardon. Ardon. Um, Ardon or Ardon? Ardon. Um, the, um, the, who, uh, who was next to him as well also uh, played um, 
has, has been playing well. Uh, the loss of DMAC after 20 minutes could have derailed this Chiefs side, but but it didn't. Um, Marcy came on and did, did a decent job, uh, and everyone else stepped up. Now that that, that was a head knock that uh, that saw DMAC stay off. So I, I personally, I hope he doesn't come back next week and, and takes time off to probably rest. Uh, I know others say, oh, trust the doctors. Doctors know best. Mm, yeah, no, I'm not in agreement with that one. Um, I, I think it should be mandatory. So there we go. Oh, I hope he takes another week off as well because I, I think he needs a bit of a break. He needs to reassess. I, I, he wasn't on the field that long. And I, we did that post-match of, of the uh, Crusaders Sunwolves game. And we I just caught the start of it. And the first thing I saw was him running sideways, 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 a couple of steps backwards, sideways. I, I think he just needs a, a bit more directness in his play, especially if he's going to be at 10. Um, you know, you're replacing one great Southland player with another great Southland player with Marty there as well. So it's okay. He'll be fine. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, Steve comes from the south of um, uh, goes from the south of England. South of England? No, south of south of New Zealand. Jeez, oh, wake up, Mr. Baines. Um, oh, no, people are going to stalk me now. They know I said my name. Um, uh, comes from River Cargill. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's cold down there. Um, <laughs> I said, God, to know of anything. Oh, everything. I don't like the cold. Uh, anyway, so. We headed off into um, South Africa, um, Bulls uh, versus Rebels. And uh, yeah, Bulls 28-10. Uh, I must have only seen highlights of this one because when I looked at the stats uh, and, and compared that to the highlights, I was like, how did I know? I, I think I saw Murphy once during the highlights. And yet somehow he got through 22 runs for 121 meters. So did he have a good game? Because I to say he didn't, didn't get, didn't get, there was no showreel stuff. I find it hard to say that anyone in a Rebels jersey had a good game. Because that match was more, the Bulls just couldn't finish uh, all the gifts that the Rebels were throwing at them. Um, because the Rebels were just atrocious. Um, I don't know if the stats really reflect it. Like, I mean, knock-ons is only 10 to 8, things like that. But they just could not link anything together. There was no continuity in their play. Um, and they looked like old Rebels, the, the Rebels from the past. Um, considered 23 turnovers, 15. I mean, it's not. Not the worst in the world. It's not massive, but um, the Bulls are just all over them. All over them from the start to the finish, and they just had no answer. There was there was no creative ability in that Rebels team. There was no excitement. The match was just a bit of a drab, really. I think the Bulls just controlling it in the pack and just dominated. Yeah, it's a bit more of what we saw against the Hurricanes in the opening game uh, in that first half with the second rows bashing through and offloading to each other, which was, which was a joy to watch. Um, but... 21 clean breaks. Hmm. Uh, you nearly made more clean breaks than they, than they scored points. Um, shows, as you say, their finishing wasn't what uh, wasn't what it should have been. They 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 could have they left a lot of points out there. Oh yeah, and and you look at the Phoenix beaten as well, 39 to 21. There's almost twice as many. So they're just controlling the game. But um, yeah, they could have easily been 60 points to 10. And yeah, my favorite one here: tackling stats, um, <laughs> Rebels. 57 made out of an attempt of 96, 59% tackling. Yeah, you, you deserve to get thumped. Uh, and whilst they were thumped on the game, maybe in the game, they weren't thumped on the scoreboard, which, uh, yeah, means that, yeah, the South size, uh, both them and, the, and uh, uh, perhaps the Lions, well, I've seen the Lions got, got the job done, but um, when we get on to the next one, yeah, not, not the only team to have left points out, 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 on, the, uh, out on the pitch. Um, <laughs> But my favourite topic in Super Rugby, jerseys. <laughs> what is the referee doing in purple when the Blues are playing in dark blue? And he looks like an not the Blues, sorry, the Rebels. He looked like an extra Rebels player on the pitch. And uh, yeah, that must be confusing for the players. And it must be a South African thing too, because I know it's in the Shark Stormers game, very much the same. He's wearing the same sort of purple uh, referee's kit, which wasn't the greatest either considering you got a, a team playing in in the black the the sharks there so yeah very much confusion and he, i noticed on that game too with the, the sharks game next one he actually got bumped into a few times as well so just looking like another player in, in that team but yeah just, you gotta ask the questions how 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 does someone organize that and, and you know and say yes we'll go off this kit it's just it's money sponsorship i guess so this is what you're wearing go ref yeah, it is and and yeah, you're right. The, the 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 country that the game's played in decides which color uh, the ref wears. And we've had some wonderful yellow kits in um, in New Zealand for the refs. 
which clashes so well and uh, just hides in nicely uh, against the Hurricanes yellow kits, uh, which <laughs> they're different shades of yellow, but it's not a million miles different, is it? Let's be honest. Uh, the um, Australia seem to have a better idea of putting him in green because no other team plays in green, so that kind of works. But yeah, both New Zealand and uh, South Africa have got some yeah ref kit issues going on. And yep, you started talking about it. Yep, the ref got bumped into quite a lot wearing purple in the Sharks versus the Stormers. The Sharks team, I mean, there was some very selfish play early on with, with wingers particularly thinking, oh, I'm going to go all the way and not passing the ball. Uh, the, why the Sharks were only, you know, which were trailing 3-7 at half time, I just don't get. They were just, they were dominant, weren't they? How was that game only 3-7 is the, probably the bigger question. So many chances. Um, and it kind of carried on from that Bulls-Rebels game as well. It was, it was very similar. I was watching that first half and I was like, I'm kind of regretting staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning to watch this. Um, second half changed drastically, which I was very, very happy about. But yeah, a lot of points left. Three-man overlaps on one fullback and, and you just hold on to the ball. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit silly rugby, isn't it? Um, when you got players doing like that, but yeah, they come around the second half, which I was very happy about. But um, a lot of points, a lot, a lot, a lot of points left out in this match, um, which is a shame because I thought in the end overall, I thought it was quite a good spectacle and some real good standouts when they actually got their two sides. Both of them got running pretty well in the second half. Yeah, nineteen clean breaks by the by the Sharks um, to only seven clean breaks by the Stormers. And it took them until the 72nd minute to get in the lead. For the, okay, so, sure, they, they kicked the first three points, I think, and led by 3-0. But basically, they were trailing this whole game uh, mm. until the last 10 minutes. And yet they dominated the clean breaks. The Sharks were making 77% of their tackles compared to 86 by the... Sorry, the Storms made 77% of their tackles compared to 80, 86 by the Sharks. The Stormers were... Um, yeah, they had gaps all over the place, and but the Sharks just couldn't score. It's been the story this season, hasn't it, though? They've been like this all year. Uh, the, the, the Stormers were well and truly in this game, and to be fair, the yellow card ultimately did decide this match. Um, when DeWald Divanaka went uh, to for 10 minutes, that was really a big changing point in this game. Um, the tries, though, just phenomenal tries in that second half. Uh, the Raymond Rule try was... Just ridiculously good uh, that Storm scored just before half time, and then I think it was the Lakando arm try uh, that was set up a little grubber through. Mapimpi picked it up, and Mapimpi was phenomenal in that second half. Just so electric. The king, he is the original king of Super Rugby. The man is a legend. Uh, he will ever live on in, in the heart. But um, he was brilliant. Uh, arm had a good match as well. Pretty steady. But those tries, a couple of those tries, were brilliant. Uh, the offload between the Dupree brothers. Uh, when Robert Dupree gave it to John Luke Dupree to score that try, that that stuff is, is game changing. And uh, you've got to think about it for South Africa to have a guy if they do go with him in the number ten jumper for the Springboks that can offload and take on the line and take out two defenders and offload to centres, which we know uh, uh, the Dialandes, the guys like him, the Jesse Creels that do run. But if they run in space, they're a massive danger, and you've got to fly hard. They can take out defenders like he can and put the centres into space. They could be onto something. They could, and if they go to Bosch at the back as well, I mean, he's um, mm. attacking. Uh, is is he, he's that got that little bit of magic uh, to get through gaps um, as well? He's not the biggest of players, but eight runs for eighty-eight meters tells you uh, that yeah, he gets he gets into space uh, and makes because that wasn't just catching and running at backyards uh, meters either. Um, he, he got himself up into the line. So yeah. The, and obviously, having brothers that know each other so well, I mean, playing together. I mean, let's let's, let's think through some Barretts back home who get who sort of uh, seem to be uh, on the same wavelength as well. So yeah, missed opportunity here by the Sharks. They could have come away with this with a try bonus point quite comfortably. But I think they're lucky to come away with the win in the end. But yeah, exactly, they were. But that's through yeah through butchering opportunities rather than because uh, rather than because the Stormers were so good. Yeah, the, I'll, I'll give you that one. So then we went into Sunday and uh, the Brumbies hosted the Haguaras. Now, the Haguaras, who travel so much, uh, travel more than any other team in, the, team in Super Rugby. And yeah, basically, I know good on the road, apparently, except they've won two on the trot now in Australia. 
Um, 20 to 25 uh, in this game. Well, let's say it again. It continued a brilliant weekend of Australian <laughs> rugby, didn't it? Oh, these Australian teams are so woeful. When they're good, they're okay. When they're bad, they are just so horrible to watch. Uh, but you've got to give it to the Aguirre's here. They come out of the guns very good. Uh, they scored some early points. And they kind of played what we talked about with the Highlanders earlier on. Uh, they come out, they got that lead, and then they put the ball in the Brumbies' court and said, bring it on. Um, they gave them the chance to do it. The Brumbies' big issues here, really like the way Hawera plays in open play. He pretty much set up the tries for the Brumbies. Um, little grubber through that uh, I think Tom Banks scored from one of those, and he set up two of their tries. Really good on hand. He, he's pretty solid. From the tee, oh, they have they have issues. They have big, big issues. They leave a lot of points out there on the paddock, uh, the Brumbies, and that ultimately you had a couple of conversions and a penalty or something in that, and they've won that game. Uh, and that's what they throw away. That's what they leave out there. Contrasting, you've got a guy like Sanchez, who I think had a, a brilliant game. Uh, and well, he's got to, so to, much talent. To, he may have, but off the tee, he had a shocker as well. So yeah, 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 they both did, yeah. Yeah, Herrera was 50% off the tee, Sanchez 57%. Um, yeah, he made one more kick, I think, than, than, than Herrera did. Uh, well, he made two more, but I think he had, uh, probably had. Um, but uh, yeah, and that's that ended up being the difference between these two sides with those two kicks. But um, but the, it was it, it felt like bigger than that. It didn't feel like it was just came down to kicks. It, it, the the Hagarais were the better team of the day. Yeah, and they, they made the Brumbies play for everything they, they had to get too. Um, but they they just have these guys that can break a game. Like I've mentioned every time I talk about this time, uh, Emiliano Buffelli, he's just he's just a brilliant player. And it was really nice to see uh, De La Fuente come to the party for once. I, I love this kid. He's a great player, brilliant player. And to see him finally get some points on there and actually make an impact to the Jaguars team, uh, I think is only good for them. Uh, he is really one... At, at that next sort of level, that can change a game and, and can control a game as well. So uh, great! This is this is amazing, Claguaris. A lot of talk about how this is the team finally evolving to that to that level that we all expect them to be at. Um, sure, it's only the Brumbies, but yeah, it's good. Great for them. Wins on the road uh, where they have to spend a lot of time. Key guys doing the good things right, and when you got a star guy, Buffelli, man of the match every week, just give him the trophy straight away. And a yellow card as well. But that's why he's so good, though. <laughs> he he come back from that card, I think, more passionate and more determined that, than anything. And that, that was a game changer right there. That, that was a big difference uh, in their match. He did as well. Another player I want to call out is um, Orlando in the uh, in that 30, 13 channel. We often, we've talked about players, about that 13, the player in that 13 jersey uh, sort of running the defence uh, and we've talked about that previously with players um, like Conrad Smith, for example. Orlando in this game got through 16 tackles and didn't miss one. Uh, now, there's a player who is, who's getting those lines right, organising that defence really well. Um, Fuente inside him, eight tackles, none missed. Between the two of them, they just shut down so much from this uh, Brumbies attack. Uh, you've got to, that, um, now, I'm well, well, well impressed by, by them. Um, they did survive that yellow card very well. Uh, they, um, I don't think they. Actually, I think they, they scored a try uh, during that time, so they, they won the yellow card, zero seven. And for a team that can lose their heads under those situations, that's a massive. That, 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 that's a that's a big sign. Probably more important than anything else in this game was how they they didn't let their heads drop. They didn't get upset by that, uh, and they uh, um, and then they played through it. And I say they won the yellow card period zero um, seven. Yeah, I think a big difference that makes them too is their position in the game at the time when they get the cards as well. If if they are trailing or struggling or not quite with the match, that just hurts them even more. The fact that they were right in this one and they had the control, it made it a bit easier for them. Plus, it wasn't in the forwards, so they could compact the game a bit, shut it down and try and control it a bit more in, in an area uh, that they know. That probably helped them as well. Uh, losing a forward, doesn't matter what sort of style of rugby you play, losing a forward is always going to hurt you a little bit more when you can't get any ball. It's going to affect your rucks. It's going to affect your set piece. It's going to affect everything. A back, you're probably going to get away with a little bit more. And another thing in the comments people are saying about uh, have the Hugwires ever gone a full 80 minutes without a yellow card, they're not actually the most yellow-carded team, 
uh, this year. It is the Bulls and the Rebels who sit atop with five. Uh, the Haguaros are second equal with the uh, Sharks, Stormers, Blues and Crusaders, who all have four. Stat for you. The stat man. Jeez, <laughs> I, I like my stats. The, um, but I mean, it was 10-13 uh, at that stage when he got yellow carded. So it was hardly like the Haguaros were sort of dominating or, or clearly in the lead. Uh, and by scoring that try, they got themselves two points up. I, the Brumbies absolutely butchered that time. They kicked out on the full uh, and gave up the ball. It's like when you've got a player up, make the opposition play. Don't give them territory and the ball. And that was just some appalling uh, play by the um, uh, uh, by the yeah uh, by, by the Brumbies. Um, I thought Penny got a bit lucky. Uh, he got over, but I thought he should have played the given it's the player out wide. I thought he could easily have uh, a, a bit of another bit more selfish play for that try by the Brumbies to get themselves back into it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, he, 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 to be fair, he did get the points. I'm interested in your thoughts of Kyle Godwin being possibly the most overrated Australian player in, in the backs for the Brumbies. I'd never seen this kid do anything good. He's held in such high regard. And you look through this and it's like, what does he offer this team? I'm, I'm not quite sold on him. He's got a left peg, hasn't he? Um, but Meh. Kicking option, but yeah. He was supposed to be this, yeah, the, the, this this new guy who was going to who was going to go forth and play for the for the Wallabies for the next ten years, uh, and he's only had one good season, and he's been poor for the last couple. Not a surprise that he's heading off to Europe after this season. Well, I think for Australian rugby but, purposes, good because you know they they do hold him and, and play him in, in games, regular starter. He doesn't offer a team to offer anything. Well. I'd suggest that the Brumbies were uh, um, made a mistake in this game by uh, the underestimating the Haguaris and resting Leofano um, for this game. I think they perhaps uh, they, they yeah they, they 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 didn't put out their full strength side, and that came back to bite them. Yeah, that, that's I, yeah. I can understand that against the Sunwolves teams like that, but the Haguaris are a really good side on paper, and and if they turn up, they turn up. They, they're good. They will match most teams in the competition. That's what you have to offer. A lot of other teams, yeah, they'll be there 80% to what a, a normal side or a top-level side would be, like the Sunnels. You know, they'll, they'll get to the Crusaders, but ultimately they're not going to play that full um, 100% matchup to really take them on. The Haguaros can. They can play that. They have the ability. And if they do turn up, if they like say, don't drop their heads, if they get the rub of the green a few times, they will beat pretty much anyone in the competition. Yep, they're a decent, they are definitely a decent side, uh, as, as you say. How about this for a theory as to why they're suddenly playing well? The last two years, the Argentinian team has picked, been picked purely from players in Super Rugby or it playing in Argentina, which effectively means the Haguaris are automatically in the national side. With the Super Rugby coming up, they've re relaxed that, and now they're picking players from anywhere in the world uh, for the rest, for, uh, up, up until the, up until, up and including the Rugby World Cup. Has that uh, perhaps focused the players' minds a bit more that they actually have there's more competition for their places? They're not automatic uh, pumas now. Yeah, well, that, that has to make a bit of a difference, doesn't it? Because that puts pressure on your position. It's the way it was. I guess they could have thought they've made the squad. They're playing in this Haguaros team. They'll just wait until the international season starts. Now they can't do that, so yeah, it's probably got a bit of a, a bit of an input to them. Um, I'd possibly say maybe a bit down to the coaching staff changes as well. At the beginning of the season has had a bit of an input to them. Um, probably a bit more disciplined, a bit more structured, a bit more focused. Uh, but yeah, having that pressure, knowing that you've got to perform, um, does make a massive difference. And we, we see it everywhere. I mean, it happens here in New Zealand. Look at Martinonu. God. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy that needed super rugby pressure to perform or yeah it's, it's, he'll just always be rubbish oh dear um well yes yeah, see <laughs> uh, it's, uh, uh there's uh ben darwin runs a analytical company called uh, game line analytics uh, one of their uh, theories is around connectivity and he said yeah if you see nonu's really poor seasons when he played for the highlanders when he played for the blues um, he was playing amongst players he just didn't know as much. Mm. Whereas as soon as he got into the All Blacks, where he was back next to Conrad Smith and next to, uh, uh, how can I forget the the, um, the best player in uh, Carter? 
um, between Carter and Smith. Two players he'd been playing with for the best part of 10 years. Funny enough, he was good again because he knew and they he knew what they were going to do. They knew what he was going to do. And it worked. Um, but for the Blues and the Highlanders, yeah, it was never. He was always amongst players. He didn't know. In our environments, he didn't know. And yeah, and he didn't perform. Yeah, good excuse for him, I guess. But um, anyone else wouldn't be so lucky. They'll just be dropped, wouldn't they? I mean, if it was, you put a guy in a similar position, I'd know Anton Leonard Brown moved to the to Highlanders and started playing like rubbish, he'd be gone. Really? Uh, he, he wouldn't get that free pass. Sonny Bill Williams moved to the Blues and played fantastic. Well, he, he's just like Martin Honor, isn't he? <laughs> Doesn't matter what he does. He's at the beach having a having a, a, a drink and spending time with his kids. Well, there you Injured. go, folks. There is. There, you're getting a, a, a little insight as to what you'll see from the unofficial All Blacks podcast when we bring that one out um, you know, in, in in the coming in the coming month or so, um, if I can get my act together. So that's the kind of stuff you're going to get uh, from us. Anyway, um, come on, we've we've overrun. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. <laughs> Uh, Steve, let people know where they can find all your fantastic rugby content and get in touch with you during the week. You know by now that if it's a video involving me, it always goes way over time by miles. Uh, you can get hold of me, Cornflakes Cribs, all you need to know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, find me on YouTube. We've got rugby videos, we've got rugby games, uh, we've got predictions, we've got all sorts of stuff. We've even got Paul on there from time to time um, as he falls further down my Super leaderboard. Uh, but yeah, we've got all sorts of rugby stuff coming. Now he's still second, don't worry. Um, but yeah, come check us out. Say hi. Weekends always a good time on Twitter. Uh, lots of discussions going on there. Lots of referees getting played out, paid out. A lot of players getting criticised. So it's all good and fun. Come join. Yep. One of the good things about us not being official media and not having any press access is they can't revoke that from us if we say bad things about them. So, hey, <laughs> you get the honest truth here. Um, Which I do. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. Uh, you know what to do. Hit that red button down below to subscribe. Hit the bell so you get um, notifications of every single video I produce. There's my face there. There's a box there as well with my latest video. Uh, also, uh, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, five-star reviews. Um, and also, if you didn't know, something I haven't mentioned for a while now, it's down below in the notes, is a link to my newsletter. Every Thursday, I send out an email with links to all of my wonderful stuff. So um, get in there. Also, uh, look out for some special stuff about American rugby and also um, the Euro Premiership as well. A couple of uh, a little hint as to a couple of things that are going to come up. And enjoy whatever rugby you are watching.